Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways, the art of music. And we're here with a brand new season. This series is all about the crossroads where music and visual art meet on the Weirder Together Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, a diehard music fan and an illustrator for bands. I've been creating album covers and designing posters for bands like King Crimson, Ben Folds, and many more. In each of our episodes, I speak with bands and musicians with their visual art counterparts together about the art of music and creative collaboration. We're talking album artwork, posters, stage shows, and collaborations for music videos, TV and film, and so much more. In this episode, we're talking about the art of Built to Spill. You may know the band from their decades of incredible albums, making amazing music since 1992. With records like Keep It Like a Secret, Perfect From Now On, There's Nothing Wrong With Love, Ancient Melodies of the Future, and many more. Their most recent record, 2022's When the Wind Forgets Your Name, was recorded with members of the Brazilian psychedelic jazz rock band Arua. And Doug's been touring the album with Prism Bitches' Teresa Esguera on drums and Blood Lemon's Melanie Radford on bass. Built to Spill's main man, Doug Marsh, is joining us today, along with Jordan Minkoff from the band Slam Dunk and more recently, Wetface. Jordan has directed three music videos from the new record. One is live action for Fool's Gold, and the other two are illustrated and animated for Rocksteady and Gonna Lose. Jordan also directed a couple of videos from 2016's Untethered Moon, like Living Zoo and Never Be the Same. In this conversation, we covered Doug's hands-off approach to creative collaboration, Jordan's process for directing music videos, we chat more about the making of Built to Spill's newest record, and we cover the backstory of comic artist Alex Graham designing the beautiful album package artwork. And we even go back in time to cover some of the artwork from Built to Spill's amazing catalog, too. You're in for a really fun chat with Doug Marsh from Built to Spill and music video director Jordan Minkoff from Slam Dunk and Wet Face. Okay, let's get started. All right, well, why don't we kick things off? And, and Jordan, Doug, would love to hear how you two first met each other and maybe the first inklings of collaboration. My memories of meeting Doug are older than his memories of meeting me, I think. Because I think I was 17 or 18, and I went to a show with Luke and some other people. Luke was the drummer, is the drummer in Slam Dunk. We were in Vancouver, and that was the first time at Falafel Place. Doug was... Actually, we didn't meet. We just <laughs> we were just face to face staring at you. You just ate that falafel was the first together. Time. We're like, we went in after the show. We were like, yeah, we were like teenagers, and we're like, oh my god, there's built a spill. And then Doug was walking towards us, holding a tray, and we're like, he just smiled, and we were like, whoa. <laughs> uh, one time at a festival, he responded to me saying, "Turn the vocals up," <laughs> and he said. The vocals are fine. <laughs> Something like that. That was maybe even before that. That was maybe now 16 or 17. Uh, there was one where we, where we really met was playing basketball after a show they played in Victoria, BC, where Slam Dunk was based out of Luke. Same guy went up and asked Doug something. Doug said, is there somewhere to play basketball? And we were like, yeah, we'll play tomorrow. So Doug gave us his number, which was really surreal. And then he called us at two in the morning being like, is the court going to be wet? <laughs> my roommate picked up and he was like who's this like two, maybe three in the morning 
we went to the YMCA. We played basketball. I didn't want to set my alarm. I didn't want to set my alarm if the court was going to be wet in the morning. <laughs> yeah, we ended up going indoors. Jordan was Slam Dunk your band, your first band. Yeah, so Slam Dunk. I mean, we're we're still together. I guess we just haven't played in a long, long time. Yeah, so we're based out of Victoria, and that's our real first time meeting and playing was like 10 years later, I guess, when we asked to open for Built to Spill. And that's when Doug really decided he didn't want to chat with us. <laughs> I guess this is more where Doug's story comes in. He said, yeah, someone, around. a guy that I knew that worked at Warner Brothers reached out to me and was like, you know, check these guys out. They're really fun. They want to open for you guys in Victoria. You know, you'll dig them. They're fun. And I didn't listen to it. <laughs> I mean, oh, when you got it sent. Yeah. And I never well, listened show, to you it. had to. I never listened to it and then got to the show and somehow you guys had gotten on the show on your own without any help from me. And somehow maybe I maybe I had heard though about you. Somehow I like was expecting you a little bit. Like maybe I saw the email or maybe uh, Eric Gilbert from Treefort had said like, "Oh, those guys are cool. They they're, they're going to be mm. playing Treefort this year." I think what you told me was you heard the first note of dying breed and you were walking out to go get food and you turned around in the sound check you said something well, I, like that. <laughs> I, I remember just you know, even your sound check like before you played any notes just everyone just screaming and yelling checking their microphones and i was like oh these guys are good, good. <laughs> and then yeah hung out a little bit in the green room before the show and was just totally charmed by them they're too hilarious and then rad show and, and then they gave us a cd after the show and we put it on in the van and just stayed on in the van like for the rest of our tour. <laughs> That's awesome. What year was this? 2012. Okay. And then we had a tour in California and Caitlin, the bass player, asked, emailed Doug, like, maybe we could open for them for a few shows. And Doug was, I feel like you said something like, I wanted to ask you guys. I didn't think you'd want to. And we were like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, of course we want to. There was a million things after that that was just like extremely thrilling and still are. <laughs> yeah and i and i went and like you know looked up everything about them on the internet and you know ordered their first record and yeah that was really exciting when their name came up in the email i think like, <laughs> you got yeah. the confirmation the for the order is there maybe a second doug marsh <laughs> <laughs> i love that kind of from like fandom to tour mates to friends and creative collaborators that's kind of the dream right there and we were all big fans too. It wasn't just me. Like everyone in our crew loved it and we listened to him all the time. Even Brett? Well, not so much Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Brett likes things a little harder. <laughs> no, of course Brett liked you, I think. Uh, Ian, me and Ian was by far our very favorite thing. So how did it go from friends, mutual admiration society, fans of each other's bands, touring to creative collaborators and starting to work together? In 2015, 16, something like that, we made a record in Portland called Untethered Moon. And I asked Slam Dunk to come sing backup vocals. And that was our first collaboration. And then when the record was done, I asked Jordan to make a video. I can't remember if I asked you or you offered or what. I can't remember either. I think I just asked because I was, you know, I'd seen a bunch of videos that he had made and also just films that they had made documentaries and just goofy films that he had been making for years and just loved it so what was the first video from untethered moon living zoo living zoo yeah right that was terrifying for me to have that responsibility 
So I think I'd only done like a couple of videos at that point. I'd done like a slam dunk video. Duncan was living on this island at the time. So we just like, we went full on. It was really funny. We just like went crazy with it. There was like 30 people in the video and stupid dances and a whole lot of narrative that didn't even fit. <laughs> Tried really hard. <laughs> and the band didn't show up. We filmed a little bit of stuff in Boise and sent it to Jordan to mix into it. But Oh, yeah, we had some green screen footage in there. I don't know if you've seen the video. There's like a guy, Duncan, who plays in Slam Dunk, who became Harry Canary. And we rented like a silly like costume, this yellowy, old-timey little... Colonial or yeah. um, <laughs> opera. Man. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Colonial <laughs> opera. And then it was like in the editing that he, I think... I think I just named him in that Harry Canary because there's just subtitles kind of bits of the story came together like that. And then we just made this sequel where what's that one called? Uh, never be the same. Never, never be the same. And then uh, yeah. Doug gets to meet Harry Canary and it gets a bit meta. And I think that one's funnier. So when the new record came along, Doug, were you thinking, let me tap Jordan to work on these or? Totally. Yeah. So talk to me about the creative process behind the video. I mean, Doug, did you just ring up Jordan and say, hey, here's a song, go wild. Totally. That's what I did with everything. I never had any ideas for Jordan. Or- I know. Unfortunately, it's not much like deep backstory. It's just Doug going, do what you want, man. And then I'm like, <laughs> Sometimes- well, what about this? What about that? that? And then he's like, sure. If you, th- Yeah, whatever you want. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to. I think there was a couple times even where Jordan sent some messages or emails to me like, what do you think of this idea? And I just didn't even get around to reading it. And like, I, don't, I don't care. Just do what you do. Did you see like a an animatic or a sketch or anything? Or, or Doug, did you just get the final video and you're like, wow, okay. I, yeah, I think he he offered to tell me about it or show me stuff. I don't like planning ahead. I'm much better at working like intuitively. So it's really cool that Doug just lets me do whatever. And the label was also fine with it. You've got like the band in balloons, heads, and like it's super psychedelic and things are kind of like floating up in the sky and... Yeah, I think it fits really well. I think it's I think it's because of the tempo of the song. It's like so rocking and just hitting you hard. And, and the song's kind of short too, so you don't get too burnt out on it. And it has the little quiet break in the middle where you do slow the animation down. I felt like it was like really fit it well and like really paced perfectly with the song. Yeah, I honestly, I remember now like about even a week before we're done, I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. And like that big green goblin which is like the frog transformed into right, a human right. that comes up playing the guitar solo. Like that idea wasn't even there until the last week. And I was talking to with Lee, who's the other guy that animates it with me. And I was like, those are the moments like you're just hoping like a <laughs> big idea comes. And I remember even in that last week, I was like, I was like, it's not funny enough. And then I thought about the frog rocker, which now is on their t-shirt too. <laughs> that was the turning point where I was like, what about this stupid little like <laughs> rock and roll frog comes out of the water when when the guitar goes meow? Basically, like the sounds of the songs really helps. Like that's often that's why yeah, I knew yeah. "Gonna Lose" was gonna work because there's so many sounds. The shaking amplifier and the way he comes out of the water to that sound and stuff. Yeah, that is very like helpful for animating. I find just like little noises because they just become the sound effects. That was a turning point, and I was remember we had a week left, and I was talking to Lee. And I was like, drew that thing. And I was like, you think we could do it? You think there's enough time? And he was a bit like, we have to do it. <laughs> and I just, went, I was like, all right. And then we just went full on for that last week. It was fun. It was a lot of work, but like, it was definitely rewarding. Cause I was like, 
Phew! <laughs> it worked. Are you hand drawing? Are you drawing in the computer? Like, what are you using to animate? Yeah, I use a tablet like this. It's a Huion. Okay. It's a cheaper Wacom. It's a drawing tablet plugs into the computer. Nice. And then what do you animate in? And so I draw it frame by frame in that. I use Photoshop, which okay. apparently is a... Well, people say that's weird, but I've noticed animators I like use it too. There's a lot of options for getting the exact look you want, but it's not meant for animating. So it's a bit messed up. And then I edit in Premiere, which maybe is also weird, but I came from making videos, like filming them. So I just know how to use Premiere. So yeah, made up a sort of technique that works. And then some people say, well, if that's what works for you, keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and Doug, where did Alex Graham, who did the album artwork, where, where did she come in at what, at what stage before all the music videos, kind of after the record's done? How did you come upon Alex and decide to, to go in that direction? During 2020, I started following her comic, like maybe in the summer or fall of 2020. So at a time when I was a home alone all the time and working on the record and came across her comic on Instagram. And so her stuff popped up a couple times and I sort of checked it out, but I didn't like it. And then one, one day I read one of them and I was like, whoa, this is really good. She's cool. So I went back and read the whole thing and I just loved it. Just her drawing style and her story that she was telling and reminded me a lot of like my favorite Fantagraphics creators, you know, not specifically, but it felt like it was coming from the same kind of place as people like the Hernandez brothers or Daniel Klaus or Chris Ware or something like that. Those sorts of minds, comic minds, but completely unique. And so I, I already had the title for the record, When the Wind Forgets Your Name. I don't know. I felt like it was kind of such a pretentious sort of serious name that I decided at some point I wanted something kind of silly and colorful and kind of flamboyant to juxtapose this sort of artsy title. Then I you know, found Alex's paintings as well were also on her Instagram page. They were definitely colorful and silly and but kind of dark too, kind of eerie. So at some point I just like, you know, was like, love to have her do it. And then I, uh, yeah, reached out to her. And it was the same thing with the way I worked with Jordan, where I just said, you know, do whatever you do, you know, I trust you. And, and she'd sent over some ideas and everything she'd send over, I'd say, looks great. Or she'd ask questions. Do you want me to take, go in this direction or this direction? I, I don't care at all. I, whatever you think sounds fun. And just like with Jordan, you know, she killed it and was amazing. It was my idea to have her paint the band, a photograph of the band that I had. And my idea to put a comic inside, but no parameters at all. She came up with the whole concept and, and the look of the comic herself. Yeah, it was awesome. Super rad person to work with and so proud of the album cover. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Doug, are, are you this kind of go with the flow around other creative collaborations or when it comes to music, that's just a whole other different 
realm and a whole different set of parameters that you like to set forth? Is it specifically between art and music where you're just like, no, you go do your thing. I trust you. Come back. Like, how does that relate to other ways you work? I'm the same way with music for sure. Yeah. All the people that I play with, they do what they want to do. I mean, here and there, I might have a specific thing, a direction I want things to go or something, or sometimes I'll write a bass part or something, you know, but for the most part, yeah, I trust the people I'm working with and same with engineers and producers i definitely trust other people and i have ideas and you know we bounce ideas around and stuff i don't know you might have to talk to other people a little bit but i feel like i'm not trying to be in control of that stuff either yeah and do you come into the studios with demos or you write in the studio with bandmates how does it work usually the songs are pretty much done and then okay in the studio you know there's some room for some fucking around and some ideas here and there but the songs are pretty much ready to go you know, and some of them are in different stages. Some of them are kind of skeletons and we do mess around with them in the studio or we record the basic tracks. I go home and work on it by myself for a month and come back and overdub things. There's no particular specific method at all for anything I've ever done. And I wonder if that's also tied with the fact that you're constantly bringing in new folks, you know, for recording and for touring. I don't know if maybe forces you not to get into anything that feels like it's kind of a dedicated process. Yeah, and there's also been some times where I've done stuff and just like, this isn't going to do it. Like, Perfect From Now On, that record was pretty much kind of done. And I was like, this needs something special. And brought Brett Netson in at the end to do all his stuff to it. And he you know, added tons of guitars and just really pushed the record over the edge for us, I think. you know, Ancient Melodies of the Future was kind of like that with Brett bringing him in at the end just to sort of you know, finish it up, give it some last little touches. And John McMahon on cello, same sort of thing. Or mm. Sam Coombs from Quasi, he's played on a few things. Bring Slam Dunk in to sing some backup vocals. Out of key. Untethered me. <laughs> <laughs> they actually sang, I wish, I can't even find it, but they sang on one of the songs where I just, they just went, like kind of took over the song and it's so good. <laughs> But it just didn't really make much sense. It's better than what's on the record, but it didn't make enough sense to put it on the record. What was, it was that? It had a long ending. You got us to scream a lot. Yeah, of totally. It was uh, all our songs. And yeah, just a lot of total slam dunk style screaming at the end of the song. And I don't know where it is. I would love to at least be able to have a mix of it to, for slam my friends. Slam dunk, get it? That'd yep. be awesome. So let's go back to the new record, When the Wind Forgets Your Name. Jordan, did you get Alex's artwork and package? Did you see all that? Yeah, Doug sent me it, and he was like, you could use this either for inspiration or you could even reference it. And we talked about figuring out a way to include the art in the video, which was like kind of tricky maybe a bit, but I did end up getting a little quick reference to it, a flash of it in the video, which I was pretty happy yeah. with. And she was really excited about that. Yeah, so I saw that artwork. And it does help. And I was like, oh, this is great. It's all colorful. And I like to make everything all colorful. So this is going to work. Yeah, really awesome. <laughs> matched well with your stuff. And she felt the same way. I thought that you were like the perfect person to make oh, yeah. a video to match her yeah. style. It's seamless. So what came next? Fool's Gold or Rocksteady, the animated video? Fool's Gold, right? Yeah. I love that video. I, I just, this morning, you know, getting ready for the interview, I'm just picturing Doug, you know, kind of, uh, all right, time to get out of the suit and uh, put the beard on and shave my head. And um, oh my gosh, it's just so brilliant. Some 
one told me the other day, she's like, uh, I love that video where you're aging backwards. <laughs> I don't know if that's quite the quite what it's supposed to be but so i what i sometimes wonder if the concept sounds sounds to me like you got the concept it made sense to you i don't know tell me what you think the concept was rob yeah well i love i love the video i mean you know it's just surreal and wacky and wild and there's this kind of glamorous kind of jewelry wearing middle-aged man who's just kind of living his best life or living in some kind of, I don't know, zone of denial in his own like <laughs> world. And, you know, then he's got to eventually go to work with what fuels this kind of lavish lifestyle and, um, <laughs> you know, get himself into the chair and have his crew, you know, get that suit off, get the t-shirt on, spray him with the wet bottles, show the sweat stains, you know, oh, there's no beard on, we got to get the beard on, you know, get the hair. We got to get, you know, we got to get the Doug Marsh indie rocker look going for this crowd. We got to make those big bucks. That's what I saw. There you go. You, you got it. <laughs> I feel like my clothes were a little too retro. Mm. Maybe if my getup had been a little bit more modern. The blue? Would, I think, yeah, the car and the thing like had like a real 60s feel. It might have thrown people in, mm. into thinking there was something about, about the like there's 1960s. something deeper in there. Or, yeah. yeah. And not a modern rich person. Yeah. Oh, I, I wanted to know too if you noticed. I mean, I talked to a couple people who were actually like people who pay a lot of attention, make videos and stuff that and did not register that it was fake slow mo. Oh, the entire video. Yeah, did you realize that, Rob? They wasn't actually in slow motion; it was acted in slow motion. No, I didn't realize that. That's the the whole. That, I mean, that, the whole video is fake slow mo. So I thought this video was like a ten out of ten. It's now a twelve out of ten. There's one shot where it's real slow mo, but that'll be trivia for whoever finds it. That is insane. So obviously, you two are comfortable enough that Jordan, you're like directing this shoot. There was a lot of Doug trusting me in this. Uh, I suggested fake slow mo, and I thought I said it like an after, not an afterthought, but it was like. Oh, and also, this is kind of stupid, but do you, what do you think of doing it in fake slow motion? And Doug was like, yeah. And then, like, <laughs> there was a few times after that, I was like, are you sure about the fake slow motion? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that was, that was the one thing that Doug was, yeah. like, 100% sure about. That was the most exciting to me. Were your, were your muscles sore, Doug, the next day? I just feel like I'd be, like, kind of sore from doing I gotta that. say, Doug is really good at it, and he's a great straight-faced actor it's insane everyone's i mean it's not that hard to do it's really I, hard to do it all you try and do it you're beautiful <laughs> i have my cameo in it it took us a few tries we were laughing so hard and i'm so bad he's I was trying to smoke while doing it yeah i'm trying <laughs> so to remember joking. your part jordan when you came i was in. like a a bouncer with big shoulders but he, uh, yeah. he tried to put in some muscles, <laughs> like some fake muscles, fake muscles but it yeah. made it, it really just looked like really bony, like tweaker <laughs> dude, than more, more like a skinny tweaker guy than a muscle guy. It was a blast. It was so much fun. So Jordan, did you storyboard this? Did you like put, I mean, was everything kind of meticulously done? Did you run it by Sub Pop? How, how did it work? I tried to be as meticulous as I could can with this one because like i said like with animation it's intuitive and i'm not really into planning ahead or planning anything ahead in my life but yeah i definitely storyboarded for this more than i usually would for a video and i tried to keep it like more simple than i usually do because of i guess learned from mistakes 
like if you watch the living zoo video it's like what is happening <laughs> so this one i tried to be pretty stripped down and straightforward right. even though i think still people are like what is happening maybe uh i think if you pay enough attention most people should be able to get it i think the fake slow-mo too is like uh really fit the tone of the song like that was part of the thing for me like his videos are all funny and i was like i don't know if this video should be super funny you know yeah. it's kind of like it should sort of have a sober kind of feel to it what does fool's gold mean to you like what is the song kind of saying well the title part of it is fool's gold made me rich for a little while just <laughs> you think you got it and only lasts for a little while and there's no real uh success or whatever i had a dream about the first part of the song, the I'm going to keep trying kind of cliche, stupid lyrics. But I had a dream where I heard that song and I was like, oh, and I woke up and figured out the chords and the melody and built it kind of around that and then wrote words about that, about waking up, having a dream about things mattering or whatever. I was proud of that song because it came from a dream and then I worked on it for a long time to kind of get all the parts situated and figured out is that the first time a song's come to you in a dream yeah I, I can't think of another one that i've ever had in a dream that i ended up turning into a real song i've definitely had some songs in dreams but usually wake up and it's like you realize it's some other song right <laughs> right what was the writing process like for this record i know it was 2020 it was during the pandemic mm -hmm. yeah so 2000 at the end of 2019 the Brazilian guys that I'd been touring with all year, we went to my practice space and recorded drums and bass and some guitar, and then they went back to Brazil. And then I was going to work on the record in 2020, and then we were going to get together either in Brazil or somewhere in the U.S. and mix it together. And then the whole pandemic thing started. And, and then I didn't really work on the record very hard for a lot of the pandemic. I kind of took my time with it and did it all alone, so it was kind of... I don't know, it's hard to get excited about it, but eventually over a year and a half or whatever, I finally got it finished up. But I was pretty disappointed that I didn't get to mix it with them because they're really amazing. And we sent a little couple things back and forth. So they did mix some of the stuff a little bit and did do some things like the end of Rocksteady sort of goes into that dub sounding thing for a couple measures. That's something that Leia did. And, you know, some other things here and there, some ideas that they told me and then I did them myself. And so it worked out pretty well, but it would have been fun to work on it together for reals. Yeah. And these are guys from the band Arua? Mm -hmm. Yep. And you had toured and met and kind of just felt a great vibe about working together? Exactly. So Joao the, played bass on our record. He plays keyboards in Ottawa. And then Le is the guitar player, singer, songwriter of Ottawa. And he played drums on the Built to Spill stuff. Awesome. And you mentioned Rocksteady. So that's the third video, Jordan, that you all worked together on for this record, second animated one. A little bit longer track, more animation to play with. I'm really curious about the storyline on this one. Me too. Oh, God. I should have rewatched it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, once again, it's like I started with this idea of this coin machine that's at the beginning. I remember when I first heard you guys playing it, actually in the 2019 tour with Slime Dunk. And I was like, I really want to do a video for that song. And that was like definitely the first new song where I was like, that would be a great animation video. And I just always sort of just imagine these machines with like little marbles going down and coins and whatever. I don't know, something like that. So that's where I started with. How long did it take you? That one took quite a while. That was over two months. 
Gonna Lose was one month, but more intense. And then this was like two, maybe more. And once again with Lee McClure, who's the guy I animate with. So honestly, like it was once again, like me putting together these stories as I go and trying to connect stuff and sort of remembering always that things don't have to make sense. You know, like the reality can get messed around with. So like, you know what? The coin can be giant suddenly and he could get hit by it. Why not? <laughs> I was like, wondering that. about that. The scale all of a sudden like changes and shifts and I'm like, wait, they're tiny? Maybe they're not. Maybe the coin <laughs> got giant. Like, I just sort of remember and I paint too that like, I don't need to make things real. And yeah. Like, you get kind of stuck being like, would that happen? Or and you're like, I'm animating. I can do whatever the hell I want. And if it like feels good and looks good, I think that's like, you know, what should be coming first is what looks best and what just like sort of suits the mood or the music. So like I, I often like start and then I like go back once I get to the end or near the end, I'll go back and mix things together. So like the thief like maybe appeared halfway through when I was actually making the video, but then I'll like, I'll get him in at the start too. So like he at the beginning first shot, he's walking by the diner or whatever. And that's, I didn't put that in until like the end. Cause I was like, okay, well you're going to basically see this guy sort of thrilled out the whole video. But yeah, I'd have to get back to you on what's happening. I have to watch it again. <laughs> <let you know. laughs> Doug, are there records or videos from your many, many years with Built to Spill that kind of stand out, kind of the stories behind them that resonate or you think would be interesting to share? I was kind of always a little bit against videos because I grew up with MTV and mm -hmm. I just felt like the videos would kind of hijack the music of songs a lot. Like I just wanted people to let the music conjure up whatever it would and not have it be tied to something. But we did, we, we made a few. Like the first Warner Brothers record, we made a video and it was our friend Mike Shear who did a couple of record covers for Built to Spill and My Old Band Tree People. And just before we even recorded any music, we just hired him to do it. And he just did a bunch of weird animation, just sort of absurd, kind of creepy, silly shapes and things. And then stuck it onto one of the songs. How did Keep It Like a Secret, how did that kind of iconic cover come together? That was just Taewon Yu. He also did a few record covers. He did Perfect From Now On, Keep It Like a Secret, Ancient Melodies of the Future. Mm -hmm. He's a just an amazing artist. He was in a band, Kicking Giant. It's on K Records and friend of ours. We toured with him a little bit and great graphic designer. He did a lot of record covers. Same thing as, you know, working with anyone, just 100% whatever you think. And he came up with all those pretty iconic album covers. I think they're all really amazing. Yeah, no input from me at all. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So appreciate you both doing this. And Doug, such a fan such a pleasure to meet you and Jordan love your artwork and your just wild wild videos and animations so yeah I would recommend highly recommend Slam Dunk and Jordan has a solo thing that he's been doing the last few years called Wet Face that's also really amazing just some cool keyboard pop songs I even am allowed to open for Built to Spill with it <laughs> I checked out Wet Face before our interview I loved it I loved nice. it yeah <laughs> awesome thank you all so much for joining this is amazing yeah thanks Rob Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe if you dig what we're doing here on this independent podcast. Rate the show, share it with friends, colleagues, and creatives in your life. Visit makingwayspodcast.com 
To learn about our guests, see the exclusive artwork I illustrated that goes along with this episode, and support what we're doing so we can continue to bring you amazing new episodes at the crossroads where art and music meet. Making Ways is created, hosted, and illustrated by me, Rob Goodman. Audio engineering is by Brian Paik at Pacific Audio. You can find us on Instagram at making.ways. And if you have a project that brings together music and art, I'd love to work together. Hit me up at rob at makingways.co. And check out more of my artwork at robgoodmanart.com. Be well and see you soon. Thanks so much again for listening to Making Ways, the Art of Music. Hmm.